time to wake up. It's Saturday morning. Find some milk and cereal. Grab a bowl and spoon. No, a bigger spoon. Head to the living room and take a seat on the floor. But Joseph and Chris present to you... Saturday Morning Cartoon! Hello everybody and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoon... Nice. Nice job. Nice job. If for anyone who didn't realize, which would be no one since you can't see us, I pointed to Chris. I gave him the cue. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. And I did not pick up on that at first. <laughs> like, I guess like, no, he wasn't prepared for it. I didn't warn him. I just pointed. And then like, I'm like, oh, he's been pointing at me. How long has that been going on? <laughs> yeah, it's been like five minutes. Whoops. <laughs> and this is a show where we plop down in the living room floor with a big bowl of cereal and watch all your favorite cartoons, both old and new. I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. And today we watched Tiny Toon Adventures. As suggested by no one, it was our choice, finally. We finally got to pick some of our own stuff. <laughs> Yay. That, that should not discourage anyone from giving us things. Because we ran out. <laughs> we had so many, and now we're like, oh man, what do we do with ourselves? Yeah, we just plowed through them, so now it's up to us. We have some freedom. <laughs> so Tiny Toon Adventures aired from 1990 to 1995. With two specials and a feature-length film, it was three seasons, 100 episodes long, created by Tom Ruger. Originally, the pilot aired on CBS, but only the pilot. Then it was syndicated for the first two seasons, which means it was kind of spread around to different networks. And then it aired the final season on Fox Kids, which was the one that ran to 95. I did not realize it was on Fox. Yeah, huh. I didn't either. I mean, I don't remember where I watched it as a kid, but it's been all over the place. It's owned by Warner Brothers, right? Right. But was Kids WB a thing back then? I don't even think it was. I don't know. Huh. I'm pretty sure no, because it didn't have any mention of ever being on the WB bet, or anything like that. I bet Kids WB came like a couple years or a year after or something. Yeah, you're know. probably right. For a short synopsis of this show, The Adventures of a New Generation of Warner Brothers Looney Tunes characters. Short and sweet and accurate. Yeah, very accurate. In fact, man, that is like the first episode too, so <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Who are some actors in this series, Chris? Well, the list of the cast is gigantic. There's a lot of people. I'm not going to bother with the Looney Tunes characters. I'm going to go with just the, the main Tiny Tunes cast. And mainly just the ones that we saw in our episodes. There's going to be a few I don't hit. Sorry about that. But I mean, the, the cast is so long that half of this episode would be, be me just naming these people. So first of all, Buster Bunny, who is our first character we're really introduced to, is voiced by Charlie Adler, who we've also had on this show before. He was the voice of Ickes from Our Real Monsters. And then he was also later on voiced by a man named John Kassir. The voice of Plucky Duck was by Joe Alasky, who actually just passed away not that long ago. I believe it was a few months back. So, Oh, man. Very, very sad. The voice of Montana Max was Danny Cooksey. Danny was the only non-adult on the show. I believe he was 15 years old when he was voicing Montana Max. And they basically picked him because he had just, I mean, you, you listen to his voice and it's just so like, he could be saying nice things and you would still think this is an <laughs> evil character just by the way he sounds. He just yeah. sounds like a jerk. So <laughs> definitely a good pick there. Dizzy Devil, voiced by Maurice LaMarche. 
Babs Bunny, voiced by Tress McNeil. No real need for introduction there. Tress is probably one of the more famous female voice actors of all time. She's in freaking everything. If you've heard anything Simpsons, Futurama, or something like that, you've heard her a billion times. And this was a great outlet for her because she got to do a lot with Babs. The voice of Hampton was Don Messick. The voice of Elmira Duff was Cree Summer, who we've also had on this show. She was the voice of Nefertina from Mummies Alive. Mm, And finally, the voice of Gogo Dodo and uh, the animator, which is in episode one. And he also voices like literally like 30 other bit characters from this (laughs) series. Frank Welker. Once again, another person who needs no introduction. He's in everything. So great cast it's just huge like how many people are involved in this absolutely and just real quick going back to john kassir he was also in rocket power as the dad and he's the crypt keeper from tales from the crypt that's right that's right i didn't realize that he was the dad from rocket power i didn't either like it doesn't even sound like i thought it would not even close wow yeah i met the guy though he's a real nice guy oh does he look like the crypt keeper he does not you wouldn't suspect that he was a crypt keeper by looking at him Oh, oh my God. I just, I didn't know. I just saw this the other day that there's a Tales from the Crypt cartoon. Oh yeah. We're going to have to cover that, dude. Yeah. Let's do that in October when we do horror shows again or whatever, monster shows. Deal. Man, that was cool. I I think I vaguely remember seeing that, but. We got to do that one. We got to do Adam's Family cartoon. Yep. There's a bunch. There's so much to get through, but let's get back to Tiny Toons for now. I'm getting excited (laughs) over horror shows now. Uh, well, here's a couple of tidbits, a.k.a. marshmallows, out of this morning bowl of Tiny Toons cereal. Number one, Tiny Toons won the Daytime Emmy for Outstanding Animated Program three straight years from 91 to 93. Well-deserved. It was originally planned to be a feature-length film, but was later changed to a TV series. And lastly, each episode contained 25,000 animation cells, which was more than double the industry standard at the time of 10,000. This allowed the characters to move more fluidly, and it was a beautiful show, well-animated. Yeah, it really was. Wow, that's a... Man, I, yeah, I would not have guessed. 25,000 compared to 10,000. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it shows too, because yeah, it was very, very good animation. With how fluid these characters are animated, you've got characters like Dodo that like is constantly like morphing into things and turning oh, into yeah, a Go-Go. puddle, and it looks flawless. So yeah, I could see that there. Like Instances like that, I'm sure they use a crap ton of those cells. Yeah. For another real quick one, Paul Dini, best known for Batman animated series, was one of the writers in this show. Not every episode we watched, but at least the first episode that we watched. I know he did many, many others. Paul Dini is like one of my nerd heroes. I have oh, yeah. I have a very short list of nerd heroes, which consists of Stanley, Chris Metzen, Chris Hardwick, and Paul Dini. And Thrall, leader of the Horde. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Metzen, aka Thrall. For the Horde. It, it shows, too, because this writing was really good, especially this first episode, which I'll let you go ahead and intro for that. But, man, it was good. Yeah. So what memories do you have of this show before we get into the episodes? I watched this show all the time as a kid. I mean, it was always on, like, around the time I'm getting home from school, it was always on. And you know what? In fact, I remember specifically, there was a few specific shows that I watched around the time I was in, like, fifth grade or something. I would get home. 
and I'd be watching like Tiny Toon Adventures and Batman the Animated Series. Those were like the two that were always on that I was always watching. And I remember really, really liking the show. And I think I started getting bored with it after a little bit because I'm sure it repeated a lot. But what's really interesting is that my favorite characters have changed. At the time, I hated Babs when I was a kid. I mean, you're, you know, a young boy. Of course, you're not going to like relate to the girl character (laughs) much, especially because she's really outgoing and really wacky. I didn't like Babs at all. I love Plucky and Hampton. But that is completely flipped now. And as an adult, I think Babs is the best character that they've got. Like, hands down, easily the best character on that show. Mm, So full of energy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for me, I definitely watched the show as a child. I remember watching it a lot. I didn't remember much about the content of it. I mean, the slapstick stuff, sure, with all the mallets and the anvil dropping and all that. But I couldn't really comprehend the greatness of it from the pop culture references, the parodies, and the things that are just so obvious now, really the adult humor to it, not like adult in that it was, you know... Like um, inappropriate. Inappropriate, right. Just adult in that it was kind of over kids' heads, and it went over mine for sure. So it was great to jump back into it with adult eyes because it's a completely different show and great for different reasons. And I completely forgot about the character of Montana Max. Like 100% forgot he was even a thing. And when I saw him, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, oh, man. (laughs) Like so many memories kicking in. Yeah, I had forgotten about Dizzy Devil also. Oh, yeah, Dizzy, Dizzy. Yeah, he plays a good part in one of these episodes. He does. You know what? I saw a um, some kind of meme the other day that it was actually when I was watching the show and I was doing a little research and stuff where I saw this meme pop up and it was a picture side by side of Montana Max and that guy who's like been in the news because he's on trial. It's the guy that bought those pharmaceuticals to oh, treat AIDS yeah. and stuff and then, you know, hiked the prices up by 300 right, right. something percent as just a complete douche about everything. But they had him side by side with Montana Max, and it was the funniest freaking thing ever because they <laughs> actually like it looks like it, Montana Max would have been that guy as a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's pretty much the closest thing we'll ever get. <laughs> yeah, he he's a real life villain. He really is. Oh my gosh. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the three episodes we watched for today's show. The very first episode, the highest rated episode, and finally, a random listener chosen episode. In this case, it was chosen by us because we chose the show. And the order varies depending on how these episodes fall chronologically. But of course, we always start with the first one being the Looney Beginning pilot episode, season one, episode one, where Bugs Bunny narrates how Buster and Babs Bunny were created by a cartoonist on a deadline to come up with a new concept for a great new cartoon. I gotta I gotta say right off the bat, this was the best introduction to a new cartoon I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, they they pulled this off like it was genius the way they did it. Like I don't remember this episode at all as a kid. Like I don't remember this intro. I vaguely remember the part where the guy's drawing so basically he's getting yelled at by his boss to create something new or they're gonna get the axe, but the boss literally has an axe. <laughs> so, yeah. So the the, uh, cartoonist is kind of fearing for his life, I think. So he's trying to come up with ideas, and he draws this cute little rabbit, and it's just too cute, and he wads it up and throws it away. Then he draws, like, this big rabbit that looks like, you know, if you ever played, like, any video games like the Clay Fighter series, they had Hoppy in Clay Fighter 2, who was a Mm. cross between, like, Bugs Bunny and the Terminator. So he drew, like, a dude like that and had to throw that away because it was too extreme 
So then he draws Buster and Buster's kind of cracking wise and asking him for a little bit of color. And then he colors him like pink and green and purple. And he, Buster's like, come on. So then he gives him the classic, the blue and white. But yeah, basically you you were watching the it's it's really meta for the first episode because you're watching this cartoonist create the show by creating Buster and then creating Babs when Buster asks for a buddy and then creating well, he kind of leaves because he doesn't think that's a good idea. He like throws it away. But then they come out and they piece together the world that they live in yeah he throws this idea out in the trash can just like he did the cute bunny he doesn't think it'll fly and he's kind of given up so these characters come to life and create their own world really flesh out the rest of the world with acme acres which is the universe that they live in and then it we get to see in the 22 minute episode that it was we got to see the creation of really how tiny tunes came to be obviously not the factual way but in such a fun way that's a great intro like you said to the series as a whole yeah i mean i mean it has like buster and babs like just piece a bunch of stuff together that becomes acme acres Mm -hmm. then they can jump inside of it and so now they're living in the in that space and they're like we need more people so they're having auditions There's all these just huge line of characters, and a lot of them are the characters that you see throughout the series, and they're auditioning, so Hampton is the first one up, which Hampton's freaking hilarious. I loved Hamptons. You don't get that as a kid. like You don't understand really self-esteem, so that was just hilarious to see. Exactly, and and the irony of a pig who, he's almost like obsessive-compulsive about cleanliness. Like yeah. it shows him trying to use like a dust buster on mud. And that's something it's actually really good and accurate character description of Hampton that he gave to them. So we get to see, like you said, it's very meta. So we get to see this intro. And if we're following along and listening to it, it actually really introduces the character quite well. Like yeah. when uh, Plucky comes out, he's a spotlight stealer and that's really shown. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then we also get introduced to the uh, after they get some of their co-stars, they also get the villains. Oh. Well, I think at some point they just say everyone that's in line. They're like, OK, whatever you're in. Yeah. Like, yeah. So every single person that was there is the character. Which makes sense because the characters of the show, it's just like infinite. Like there's mm-hmm. so many. But then they um they, they decide that they need an adversary. They need a villain. So they pop out of like the picture of Acme Acres and they find this little box that's supposed to have a bunch of like cartoon villains or something in it. And they open it and all these bad ones escape and they are just left with whatever else is at the bottom. Yeah, there's the devil comes out of it, right. uh, like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde comes out and just some other classic villains. Yeah. So they all run off. And so they're left with, yeah, bottom of the barrel villains that are right. left. First up, I think we could see Elmira. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, she's oh, actually man. chasing Dizzy Devil. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they had Dizzy as a villain, which is... I- I thought was weird because he's not really like that in the show. Yeah, I guess he's not so much a villain as he was just he needed to be there to run from Elmira. Maybe. Right. But I was thinking the same thing. Like, are they show, are they saying he's going to be kind of a villain? And maybe in the same way that Taz was to Bugs. Yeah, it could be like in some instances he is seen as like the quote unquote villain, but he's not actually a bad guy. Yeah. yeah. It's because like, you know, Tasmanian devils eat rabbits or something. And so something. that's. <laughs> yeah. In most instances, Dizzy is actually just like any of the other characters. So, 
And we also get to see finally the intro of Montana Max. That little boy. Oh my God. <laughs> he comes out and he was promised his own show. Actually, we get to hear a precursor to that, which the artist introduces to the boss. And the boss oh, yeah. rejects that idea because nobody wants to see a show about a rich kid doing rich kid things or whatever he says. Right. So exactly. he's we get to basically hear beforehand him get put in that rejection box. So he escapes it and becomes the arch nemesis to the heroes in the show. And Montana Max is the only well, I mean, these are all original characters, but he's the only one that isn't really based off of an existing Looney Tunes character. Right. Because, you know, like Buster and Babs, obviously based off of Bugs. Plucky's obviously based off of Daffy. Dizzy's obviously based off of Taz. He's the only one that's very just completely standalone. Yeah. but And something we see to get later, though, is that he does have respect for the classic Looney Tunes villains. Yeah. Like Elmer Fudd and, and Yosemite uh, Sam. Yeah. Which plays a big role in... This episode, because Buster and Babs dress up like those two, essentially to infiltrate Montana Max's lair and take back the scripts for the show that they've written. You know what? I This just popped in my head, too. I always thought that Elmira was um, like like all these characters. Like, I think Buster at some point is named that he is actually Bugs's nephew or something like that. And so I always thought that I have always had this feeling that Elmira was some relation to Elmer Fudd because of the name, because of the way oh. she laughs and talks. But her last name is not Fudd. It's actually Duff which is FUD backwards. Oh, so yeah. I was so like, she's like a parallel to yeah, him. Yeah, so the, I was just like, that's maybe it's supposed to be him if he was a girl. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense because she's not a hunter, but she does hunt down animals to hold and squeeze and love forever and ever. Yeah, no, that's great. I Man, you just blew my mind with that. I had no <laughs> idea. I didn't know her last name was Duff. I might yeah. have been able to make that connection, but yeah, that's cool. Wow. Just real quick, going back to a little bit of the intro of the characters, Gogo Dodo, he's one of my favorite characters. You know, Babs is great, Buster's great, but he's in my top three at least because he's the most referential of them all. He's constantly making references to other shows and just has such a crazy attitude. He gets right. put in Wacky Land, actually. It's it's almost like it's created specifically for him, which is the crazy part of Acme Acres because he is just one of those over-the-top cartoon characters who just has no... Not really any place in a an actual story. He just yeah. needs to come in every once in a while and make these gag jokes. In this episode, we get to see him dressed up as the Riddler at one point yep. when he's introing himself. That is pretty good. So he's one of those quick change characters that can take on any form he wants to, really. I completely forgot about Wacky Land. It's almost like this neighboring kind of town, but almost like a parallel universe sort of thing. Yeah, it's like up is down, left is right. Just yeah. everything's crazy. It's like the reality of Acme Acres doesn't apply in Wacky Land. Like anything goes, it's just, it's wacky. As the name implies. <laughs> So, like, when I saw that, I was like, oh, my gosh, completely forgot about that. That's so awesome. Like, I got really excited when yeah. I saw that. So I had forgotten about that, too. Really good stuff. And the, the other thing that I really enjoyed about this, and I forgot about this aspect, too, and I don't know how, is that all of the classic Looney Tunes characters, 
are present and that even though they're not like the main cast, they all appear in just random episodes here and there as teachers. They mm-hmm. the kids are going to Acme uh Luniversity. Basically all of the other the older generation of Looney Tunes are teaching on them the ways of being successful cartoons. Right. Yeah, I mean I had remembered that part because it's in the song. I mean yeah, it, it, I didn't yeah, pay that pretty much, much <laughs> pretty much <laughs> tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, so going back to wrap up this episode, Montana Max takes all the scripts for the show because he wants a show just about himself. Buster and Babs go on a mission to recover those and successfully do, which really kind of sets the stage for the rest of our show where Montana Max is the ultimate villain, really. He's the Lex Luthor of this universe. The rest of the time, it's just the Tiny Toons getting taught by the Looney Tunes and antics ensue. Lots of antics. Moving on to the second episode that we watched, Tiny Toon Music Television, season one, episode 51, which is the highest rated episode. In this episode, Max sings Motown, Buster spoofs the Sorcerer's Apprentice, and Babs performs Respect in this parody of MTV. Oh, they don't even list the other ones? Ugh. No, they don't. Yeah, they don't even God. mention they might be giants. This whole episode is they just took five songs and made music videos to them, basically, mm-hmm. with the Tiny Toons characters. And the first two are both They Might Be Giants songs, with which I loved They Might Be Giants back in the day. I had forgotten about Istanbul, but I the reason I remember this episode was Particle Man. Yeah, Particle Man was the other one. That Oh, they were both good. So... Istanbul is basically like, it's kind of like a a play on the Maltese Falcon with a little bit of like Indiana Jones kind of thrown in there. Mm -hmm. But it's it's like Plucky and Hampton as like detectives trying to get this Maltese duck from these guys out in what seems like it's probably like Saudi Arabia or something like that. And they're going through the desert. Probably Istanbul, I would imagine. Yeah, it's probably Istanbul. Not Uh, Constantinople. I had a drink. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel really stupid. It's somewhere in the... <laughs> oh, <Okay>. God. There's <laughs> some irony there. It's just a lot of fun, man. Like, they're just basically... They're running from bad guys through most of the song, and it's just really cool. If you heard, if you heard that song, you gotta at least, like, look for this on YouTube, because you will enjoy it. It's just so much fun. And Particle fun. Man was right after that, and that was just as good. Particle Man I love, because it's, it's just really about wrestling. I mean, that's not what the song's about, necessarily, but it's about... It's what they turned this, it into. So. Yeah, Plucky is a wrestler. At first, he's Particle Man because he's so insignificant no one really remembers him and he's just constantly getting crapped on by any character that he comes across in this world too triangle man being one of them universe man who crushes him person man is what he turns into he becomes person man when he's like trying to flee from everybody (laughs) and he's like hiding and he was just getting the crap beat out of him through the whole episode or that whole like song. Yeah, it was a fun song. And like I had looked up a little bit about the song and it's really it's not a deep song or anything. It's not exactly what it sounds like. Like it's just a description of characters. A lot of They Might Be Giants songs make no sense whatsoever. <laughs> it, it doesn't make catchy. any sense. They're so catchy. Though. They are catchy for making no sense whatsoever. Uh, and right. At least, you know, this cartoon gave it some sort of context mm-hmm. for these songs. So because like when I would hear these songs before, I never really pictured anything. It was just an enjoyable song. But now when I hear those two songs, what I picture is Tiny Toon Adventures. Oh, yeah. You can't not associate Tiny Tunes with these songs. 
It's amazing. Also, just kind of as an in-between, we see Babs and Buster kind of doing the whole like hotline, like call in and They're request like VJs a music video. Yeah, exactly. MTV. MTV. I like the, the uh, they were waiting by these phones for like someone to call in and uh, suggest a song and nobody's calling. Nobody's so calling Buster in. makes yeah. like a fake noise with his mouth and then picks it up <laughs> <laughs> and pretends that somebody's there. So, so we had, oh, and Elmer Fudd dressed up as Madonna. Oh, God. Yeah, I forgot about that. He was Fudonna. Fudonna, and he had those giant cone, you know, appendages that women have on their chests. This show is a little bit racier <laughs> than I thought it was. And I remember it oh. being like, um, what is the chick's name? Julie Bruin. That's the, what I was right about to ask. Yeah. Yeah. She was a really busty. Yeah, she was. Cartoon character. I After seeing that again, I was like, oh, yeah. That's how I hit puberty. Oh, yeah, I they did now. used to show cleavage in <laughs> cartoons. There was a lot of cleavage in this cartoon. Yeah. Good Lord. But still, it's things that are, it's subtle things, though. In in the first episode, when Babs first came out and was first drawn, she did all these impressions. That's one of the best things about Babs is she does tons of impressions, oh, which yeah. lets Tress McNeil do a ton so of voices. different voices, yeah. But it's it's so weird because she's doing impressions but as babs yeah so it's like she's doing two voices at once kind of it's crazy but anyway one of the the characters babs turns into in the first episode is jessica rabbit they even make a roger rabbit reference later in that episode i think where buster saying like roger like you know okay with the salute he says he says roger rabbit and she's like you know wrong bunny or something yes so it's all these all these references that you don't catch as a kid but as an adult you're like oh man i know this i remember this i know this right so a lot of fun oh man it's so cool and then so then the next song they did was respect this was a babs centric bit where she's putting on her walkman and it's really roller skates it's almost an ironic little short because it's respect but it's almost like a lack of respect by babs she skates through a library a courtroom a funeral at a pet cemetery. Yeah. And then uh and then a, a surgery. Yeah. Like, like an she operation. Comes out of somebody's body. Yeah, she while pops out of the, the open body. Which if you uh if you follow us on social media at all, like on Instagram or Twitter, like I, I have a shot of that that I tweeted out while I was yeah. watching oh, yeah. this because man, I was cracking up, but <laughs> this made me fall in love with Babs. Like, I didn't like her as a kid, and now I'm like, this is the best character ever. Like, I love her character. Because like you said, I think we were at the age at that time where, we were, where girls were gross, and yeah. we only wanted male characters. Yeah, and she's, like, she's the funniest character of the show, easily. Oh, yeah. So good. So, yeah, that it made me really happy to see this one, and it it was really good, and it had, like, the best of her personality, where she's just completely crazy and not paying attention to everyone around her and just having a blast yeah (laughs) oh man it was great the next song we get is barrett strong's money that's what i want yep i love the the towards the end where he does the uh like someone puts the the robe over him and he's walking away then he throws it off and turns around and he like is like getting all hyper and singing again and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's like the classic like James Brown freaking move right there. Right. Like I was oh man, that was good. Loved it. And then the IRS takes all his money at the end. Yeah. <laughs> and then um the the very last one was a basically it was a play on Fantasia. The Sorcerer's Apprentice song, right? 
in Fantasia, it's, you know, Mickey, he's like the, the sorcerer's apprentice. Like you said, he puts the hat on and he's doing all this stuff. In this version, it's, um, Bugs was using this machine. At one point, Bugs went into space with the machine and he was kind of riding through space in a spaceship. The ship crashed and it kept transitioning in cool ways. The ship crashed and then it turned into him like underwater seeking treasure. Then he started getting chased by a shark. And then that transitioned into him getting small, riding on a house fly. And the, he got caught in a fly All strip. Kinds of weird stuff, yeah. Yeah. And then that transitioned into him going into prehistoric times, being chased by dinosaurs. It's really him getting chased a lot or in imminent danger right. quite a bit. And yes. then it turns out, like, for the most part, he was dreaming and gets woken up by bugs. Yeah. So, yeah, he saw bugs with the machine. Bugs kind of left. And Buster's just kind of there and just, you know, starts using the machine like he shouldn't. And all that stuff ensues, but ends mm-hmm. up being a dream. So pretty much like Fantasia. And it was really cool, too. It was a, you know, no words, no lyrics thing, just music and yeah. body language. And they did a good job. It was really it did, cool. It was like it was a really fun little Tiny Toons music video extravaganza. Yeah. Fantastic. Great episode. Not much else to say about it. Yeah, but it was great. Definitely check that one out. And finally, we watched Elephant Issues Season 2, Episode 3, chosen by us because we're awesome. Yeah. What I really liked about this episode, this was a Go-Go Dodo heavy episode because he's essentially the narrator of the whole thing. And I like how it starts with him being in one of his like crazy wacky land scenarios. And then it's it's him after the show's complete and he's done with it, dresses up in his robe, walks to his trailer And then he becomes really dignified and he starts talking in just a completely different voice. It's almost like Go-Go Dodo is just his stage performance. And then he's a distinguished gentleman off the set. Yeah. And this was Frank Welker um, voicing Go-Go. And it seemed really familiar to me. And that's when I realized that it's exactly the same way he does Nibbler on Futurama. Nibbler has the same voice as Go-Go and does the little, you know, goofy noises. But then, like, you find out later, Nibbler reveals that he actually has this very, very deep announcer kind of voice. And (laughs) it's the exact same thing, which was really cool. Yeah, it's funny that you say Nibbler, because I was going to say Niddler from Pirates of the Dark Water, because it's that voice also. He's all over the place. But yeah, it's really good. It, like, he goes from this goofy little creature voice to this, like, you know, like, super friends announcer yeah voice oh Oh, man very very deep and distinguished voice it's fantastic and it basically (laughs) this whole episode ends up being like they're giving like cautionary tales Mm -hmm. of problems that you know kids might be facing at that time period yeah and he, he says he likes to take a break from his wackiness every once in a while and ponder today's relevant issues Right. And this this crazy elephant just keeps coming in out of nowhere, which could just be like a figment of his imagination for all we know. And he's like, did you say elephant tissues? And he just <laughs> he keeps coming in. in in between the sets. He comes in. He's the comic relief of this whole thing. This right. imaginary elephant for all I know. So the first one we jump into, though, is why can't Dizzy read, which really is kind of self-explanatory. Basically, yeah, it's it's found out that Dizzy can't read and Babs and Buster are like they make the decision that they, they need to help him and stuff like that. But it turns out like the big reason he can't read is because he's addicted to television. Even when he's <laughs> trying to read, he had like this little watch looking thing that I guess had TV on it. And it was yeah. like 
talking to him, like telling him not to read and to watch yeah. TV instead. He had like a smartwatch before smartwatches. Oh my gosh, Tiny Toons invented the smartwatch. <laughs> That's so weird. They were predicting our times. The TV, both the watch and the regular TV kept saying like, watch TV, Dizzy. Don't read boring, stupid books. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a very straightforward and blunt TV bad, books good message. Yeah. It, it ends up being an end where um, Buster and Babs are kind of downtrodden because they couldn't appeal to Dizzy. But then at school the next day, because I guess he learned really fast, he's reading to a, a group of like little tunes and all is well. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't I don't know exactly how it even got to the point where he was able to read it just like. Yeah, because it looked like he was going kind of nuts and it kind of cut out. And then it just kind of hit him. He's yeah. like, oh, yeah, now I can read. I can read now. Yay. That's how it works. It just happens one day. Yeah, it was still a fun short, though. I liked it. Yeah, it was good. The next one we jump into is Clyde and Prejudice, which I really liked this one. I didn't remember this at all, but I, this might be the only episode this little robot's in. But we get to see a robot named Clyde, who's kind of like the voice from uh, 2001 Space Odyssey. He even says uh, he makes a, a quote from there, too, or he calls somebody Dave. He calls everybody Dave. Like oh, everything yeah. he says is Dave. <laughs> yeah. So he's a robot boy Clyde, which is cybernetic laser ionized digital entity, just to put an acronym to that. Montana Max, of course, is giving him a hard time. Yeah. And uh he's like, ugly gap tooth boy child disturbs me, Dave. The whole episode we're getting to see just different situations where Montana Max is picking on him and he's just trying to fit in. We get to see the their school lunch, which is green eggs and spam at the time. I would eat green eggs and spam. Yeah, it'd probably be pretty good. Spam's delicious. It'd probably better than the school lunch I had when I was growing up. Oh yeah, ours was disgusting. Like our pizza was literally just Play-Doh with sauce and cheese on it. It was gross. Yeah, so it's basically like one of the things I liked about this episode though is that even though it was kind of about like being bullied and stuff like that because Montana Max is being just a jerk to Clyde the whole time. Just because he's different. Yeah, Clyde is still has some pretty good comebacks, like regardless, which which I thought was funny because in most instances, like I, w- I would think that they would just have the, the kid getting picked on and that's it. But Clyde actually had a little bit of spunk to him, which was really fun. He talks mostly through game show phrases. Yeah. He references Jeopardy. He references Wheel of Fortune. He references Password. It's all these different. I mean, kids probably wouldn't even be familiar with all of these. But if you're listening, he's always talking to Dave and he's always talking through usage of game show phrases like right. I'd like to buy a vowel or something like that. <laughs> Good callback. Yeah. And then Buster is his hero. He wants to be like Buster because Buster's popular and everybody's his friend. And Montana Max, in order to, I, I don't know, to get rid of Clyde, builds uh, an anti-Clyde robot named Snide, <laughs> who is a super new and improved droid eradicator. And that goes poorly for Montana Max. Finally, what we get to see is the reason this episode's been banned from TV for a long time. I think it only had like a couple airings, maybe just one. This mini episode is called One Beer where Buster, Plucky, and Hampton, they're raiding the fridge looking for something to drink, and Buster kind of dares everybody to drink a beer. Yeah, they find one beer. Buster is being the... um, It was smart in the way that they they had him do it, because I I feel like if somebody's getting put into peer pressure about something like that, it's probably someone that they look up to or someone that's like 
you know, they might think is a little bit cooler than them that say, hey, you know, do it. It's cool. So they had, even though Buster is typically a hero of the show, it was Buster as the coolest one of the show or whatever. It was the one that was kind of pushing it on the others who were really kind of unsure about it, but they didn't want to look uncool. And they even at some point have Buster have like some mixed feelings about it too, because he tries to get them to do it first before he does it. And he has some real reluctance to actually trying it, even though he was the one that was pushing it on everybody. Yeah, but they also, before really all of this starts, he breaks the fourth wall because Hampton's like, but Buster, this isn't like you. And he just says, uh, I know, but in this episode, we're showing the evils of alcohol. So <laughs> right. He, he breaks the fourth smart. wall. Exactly. Just to show that he's not a bad character, I guess, for any parents watching along. Yeah, which is, it's weird that this episode ended up getting banned, even though, I mean, they straight up tell you in the episode, the the character doing it tells you, we're just doing this to demonstrate, you know, what, you know, something bad that you don't want to do. Yeah, so really, just kind of as the episode implies, they get drunk really off one drink, but they <laughs> well, continue drinking... <laughs> They're sharing this one beer the entire episode. <laughs> That's the funniest part is this three people sharing one beer and they just get so belligerently drunk and <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden their clothes are ratty and they've got like stubble <laughs> yeah. on their faces. <laughs> yeah, they, they look like homeless people. <laughs> oh my gosh. One of my favorite parts of this episode was where they see the girls and it's like, yeah. hey, it's babes. And then when Hampton's like, you babes want to hang or what? And he looks terrible. He's got... <laughs> He got like bloodshot eyes and yeah, oh. bloodshot eyes, like five o'clock shadow. Yeah. His face is all droopy. He yeah. just looks like he smells like straight garbage. He's yeah. He's slurring his words. <laughs> uh, it's, it's great. Like you said, the best part was just it all being off a third of one beer. Right. And we don't even know that they finish it really. Yeah. They just, they're sharing it and they get so drunk. But the the big reason that this one was, I think, banned was they drove after being drunk from this one beer. Well, they stole a cop car yeah, just to make it as crazy as possible. Yeah, they steal a car. Yeah. And then they're they're driving around this cliff and they're going too fast and they're drunk and they ended up driving off of it and they die. They actually die. It shows them yeah. crash. Then it has like little angel versions of them floating up out of the crash. It was just to show the evils of alcohol, as I said in the beginning of the episode. And you know what? Like, I can remember plenty of times watching older cartoons like Looney Tunes or Tom and Jerry, where that would happen, where a character mm-hmm. would quote unquote die and they'd have a halo and angel wings. Or if it was it, like it was Tom that, and Jerry, Tom would it was that grow flower. horns. It was always the flower that came up like they would be holding a flower on their chest. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. And it would wilt. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, which, so the the idea of like cartoons, like a, a cartoon character dying in a silly way or something like that isn't new, which really surprised me that this got banned. Yeah, I guess it was just a combination of things and maybe it was just how apart it was from the different episodes of Tiny Toons. Right. It, it would kind of be shocking for a parent to jump from one episode, from, you know, the music television episode to this one and be like, whoa, like, what is my kid watching? Right. Yeah, I could see that. Especially if, yeah, if they didn't watch the whole thing and they just like, 
I can totally see some middle class privileged mom walking over and just seeing Buster <laughs> Bunny with that beer bottle in his hand and yeah. being furious without actually watching <laughs> the episode and calling everybody's parents and telling them not to watch it and calling the network. Right. Or, you know, when it right when the car goes over the cliff and you right. see the angels coming up, they flip the TV off. They don't see the resolution. Right. Like, You're yeah. not watching this filth in my house. <laughs> this filth. It really tried to drive that message hard. These relevant issues. Yeah. That about wraps it up for our episodes. So, Chris, why don't we fetch our inner kids from Acme University to see what they thought about Tiny Toon Adventures? All right. Let me get this little guy out of wacky land here. I love Looney Tunes and these guys are like Looney Tunes, but they're my age. It was really fun, and I really liked the music videos where Plucky is always getting beat up, and it made me want to drink a beer because I'm so young and impressionable. I'm just kidding. I'm going to wait till I'm 30 and spend my weeks getting drunk on a podcast, making a real ass out of myself. But I really enjoyed this cartoon, and I give it 4.5 bowls of Acme cereal out of 5. That's all, folks. Er, Joseph? Even from the pilot episode, it was easy to see that Tiny Toon Adventures was a show with great appeal to both the younger and older audiences. I felt there was a perfect blend of over-the-top cartoon antics and over-my-head adult humor. The show succeeded in paying respect to, and in many ways, being on the same level as, the wit of the original Looney Tunes that preceded it. I would give this show five big bowls of cereal out of five, and excitedly recommend it to anyone, but especially fans of the original show. I did have one question, though, regarding one of the elephant tissues. What does beer taste like? It is gross, nasty, disgusting. Now stay out of my fridge. Yeah, you you'll find out eventually. <laughs> yeah. You'll you'll find out. So do you have any final thoughts? Final thoughts about this series in general. I really enjoyed it. Coming back into it, I could totally see myself watching it. I think if I had a kid or anything, even not having a kid, this is a show that if it was on still, I would catch it every once in a while. It's just a fun show. It's easy to see how this preceded Animaniacs because it's along the same vein as that where you get the references to pop culture throughout the whole show. So it's almost like Animaniacs was a sequel to Tiny Toon Adventures. I'd recommend this absolutely still. You know what? I think there's a crossover at some point between Tiny Toons and Animaniacs. Yeah, I, I know in Animaniacs, some of the characters showed up. There is a there is an episode that I saw when I was looking through these called Animaniacs. Oh. And I think, yeah, I think it's like a crossover of sorts, but I could be wrong, but we'll have to check that out. Well, Ralph, the security guard from Animaniacs, is actually in Tiny Toons at certain points. Oh, there we go. It might just be one episode or something, but I know he's in this at some point. So there are direct ties. Right. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this series. And the the reason that I rated it a 4.5 instead of a 5 is because it isn't a show that I would myself go back and watch. Like, I, I don't plan on going back and watching this thing like I would some of the other ones I've rated 5s, like Avatar or Green Lantern. However, that being said, if I have kids someday, this is a show that I will definitely go back with my kid and I would sit down and watch with them. I, I will make sure my kid watches this show because it's mm -hmm. fantastic. Great job by everyone involved in that. Paul Dini, you are awesome. Well, listeners, it looks like our milk supply has now run dry, so it's time for us to say goodbye. And next week, we'll be watching Star Wars Ewoks. And once again, I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. And we'll see you next Saturday. Presented by Nerd Sloth. 
a place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdslot so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdslot.com.